In this episode of the About Death podcast, we do talk about some adult themes. If you've little ones around, grab your headphones now. And a reminder that these conversations are all real and can sometimes be a bit raw. Remember, you've always got the option to pause and to take a break from it. Our show notes contain links to more information about support that you can access. What I'm finding interesting about the conversation that we've had is how normal yeah. it's felt it to me normal, having yeah. having having a conversation with you people, yeah. you know, my friends who um, and that actually, I mean, it's not exactly a cheery after dinner conversation, mm. but it is something it's a bit that. Funny, though. Yeah, it's about yeah. It. Yeah. I think right. it's quite reassuring, yeah. though, yeah. because I think I would say, I, I, I think I'm a fatalist and I, I'm quite pragmatic about dying, but that's not to say I am a little bit fearful. And actually, yeah. it's quite nice to talk about it in a more light-hearted way mm. yes. to find some things for yes. me, even though it might not yeah, yeah. be appropriate right. to everybody. Yeah. yeah. Hello, you're listening to the About Death podcast, and I'm Sam Meikle. Talking about dying and death can make us feel uncomfortable, awkward, or embarrassed, as we're not always sure what to say and when. Through this podcast, you'll hear why and how people start talking about dying and death, and if they didn't, what they wish they might have said, and the impact this has had on their lives and on the lives of those they love. Around kitchen tables, in pubs and cafes, we're having conversations to help you explore how you think, feel and talk about death. Well, I think it's fair to say that we might just have broken the mould when we made this episode. It was such a joy and a privilege for me to sit almost as a fly on the wall and listen to the four fab friends share a meal and share their experiences, beliefs, and fears about death. Anne, Lindsay, Maxine, and Wendy welcomed me so warmly into their company on a Friday evening. And even now, I have a huge smile just remembering that room full of roaring laughter and banter. We talked about some really important topics and some very challenging times that each of these women faced. And what I really noticed was the kindness, the warmth and the love that flowed between each of these women and was just present in their conversation. Welcome to the Fab Four's story. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Get it in. Get it in there. Okay, so my name's Lindsay. Um, I have a background in nursing and I've worked for the NHS um, with having had a very rich nursing career that spans 36 years. Um, and today I'm here with some of my very best friends, um, friends that I've known for a long time and friends who were very dear to me. Um, and that's what brings me here is to share this moment and this rich conversation with them. That was very well put. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Shall I go? Yeah. yeah. So, my name is Anne Cooper. I am a nurse still. So, um, today I'm with a group of 
um, friends who are very special to me um, collectively but also individually and each of them I have a unique bond with. And I guess it's my responsibility for drawing us all together today. Mm. So thank you. Mm. Mm. And for our listeners as well, we are surrounded by mountains of food. <laughs> very nice food. Yeah. Delicious. We're very sorry that you food. can't join us. We'll, we'll give you some sound effects. And some, <laughs> and some Prosecco later. And some Prosecco. Okay, shall I go? Yeah. Uh, my name is Maxine. I'm a nurse by background. I've worked in the health service for 37 years. Um, whilst I did a number of nursing roles, I then moved on to be a senior manager in the health service. I retired um, a year ago, actually, just about a year ago now, uh, and I'm busy filling my time doing lots of other things. I miss the people and, that I worked with and the work to a certain degree, but I'm also enjoying the freedom of being able to do what I want when I want. It's very liberating. I met Anne when I uh, started nurse training, so I've known Anne probably 35 years plus, which is a long time. <laughs> the 31st of January it was, was 1983. It? There you go. Yeah, so I've known Anne a very long time. And I suppose whatever's happened to both of us, it's never stopped us remaining best friends, really. We've sort of managed to keep that really strong tie uh, and through our nine o Lindsay and Wendine, <laughs> and I'd like to think they've become very good friends as well, and it's a fantastic <coughs> bunch of people to be around, um, laughing and supporting each other through difficult times, good and bad, so it's a lovely environment, and I'm here really because I think the conversation will be extremely interesting. Mm. Mm. Thank you. I'm Wendy, uh, I've been, I've, I actually can't remember how long I've been friends with you all I really can't say but I'm, I'm not a nurse but although um, I did do some nurse training when I left sixth form college which is a long long time ago because I, I think I'm the oldest here well, I'm the same I'm the same Ooh. age as you Max probably the same okay so um, but so the, maybe the, we've got some characteristics in uh, in common um, but for most of my career I was a careers advisor and I worked in a sixth form college uh, more latterly and I've been retired for about 18 months and like Max I like the freedom to just do what I like really mm. get up when I want that's the most crucial that's yeah that, that, mm. that feeling is what, what can yeah, I do yeah, with my day to day I can do all sorts of things and there are all those possibilities in front of me so um, and I think it's interesting the, the subject that, we, that, that we're talking about to be able to talk about death because actually I think uh, in our friendship group we could talk about this any day and actually we, we would do this anyway mm, wouldn't we would, because yeah. Yeah, there's nothing would. that's off limits and we talk about everything don't we and yeah. we have done yeah. particularly yeah. this you know this last last year you know we've had um, some tough times haven't we and um, so I think we would we would yeah. talk about it anyway but it's okay we'll record it <laughs> yeah. so we've got listeners from all around the world how would you describe your accents Ooh. oh Yorkshire, very Yorkshire. It's oh, like Game of Thrones, <coughs> everyone. Winter is coming. <laughs> That's what we sound like. We do, do sound it? like Game of Thrones. I don't think I do have a Yorkshire accent. Yes, you do, Maxine. But maybe I've got that that preconceived idea. Yorkshire accent. Yeah, 
<laughs> not the Queen's English, then? Yeah. No. 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 Not as Yorkshire as me, but not as Sean Bean as... I think we're all a very Yorkshire. Very Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. We are. Yeah. And in yeah. Game of Thrones, that's the Starks from up north. The Starks, but a lot of them have got that accent, haven't they? I think they're putting it on. Oh, yeah. Not really <laughs> but... <laughs> So well, we John, to Snow. John Snow talks with the Archer accent. He's not from Yorkshire. Um, no. He's not from round here. Not from round here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's the that's what we are. I think there are no white walkers in Yorkshire. <laughs> and wall and all that kind of thing. I've not watched any yet. You're spoiling oh, it for me. Sorry. Oh. So I haven't. I'm not giving anything Put it in box set. Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've got the energy to watch that. It's, it's yeah, very good. Watch kind of yeah. Mm. I think you're really. I might have to retire. Might be something I watch when I retire. Aspect. Thank you. Next question. Yeah. Um, growing up, what did you know about dying and death? I think I knew quite a bit because my father died when I was only thirteen. Mm. So I think um, I think I had an early baptism to it really. And I was there when he was dying and there when he died. Um, so I think I'm quite accepting of death, actually. How old were you, Maxine? Thirteen. Mm. Were, you, were you actually there at the moment when he died then? I was there when he became ill. We were on holiday. He became ill on a bus between Filey and Scarborough. Um, he had a ruptured aortic an- aneurysm oh. and died in Scarborough Hospital. And it's really bizarre because... I went to do my nurse training at Scarborough Hospital, but that yeah. wasn't the reason why. No, no. So it's bizarre, really. Is that just quite traumatic, though? I think it's it that's, that's so quick. Well, it is, but I, it, it's also, I think, um, I don't know. I think when you, when you, I mean, yes, it has an, an impact on you, but I think, I don't know, I think you then know that death's inevitable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's part of living into yeah. it, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I've exposed at a very early age and quite accepting of death, I think. Yeah. Mm. What did your friends at that age, did you talk to them? Um, I had one very, very close friend. Um, I, I think I felt more sorry for my mother, really, probably, because I think it impacted on her. I think... It impacted on the rest of her life, and I think I don't think it did for me. Um, I think it's very sad what happened, um, but I think it's exposed me to reality probably. Mm. I suppose as a as a thirteen year old, you're not having to, you know, cope with the practicalities of it. No. You're just getting with it. Where, you, where your mum had to think, mm. right, well, what am I going to do now? Yeah, yeah. And how am I going to feed this family? And how am I going to you know, I mean, there's so many re- adjustments to make, aren't there, for her. But you also think, don't you? I mean, she must have only been in her early 40s. Because mm-hmm. yeah. he was 50 when he died, my father. So yeah. when you think that and you think how we are now, I mean, it must have been horrendous for her. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think you see that so much as a child, to be honest. No. Because I think you're quite wrapped up in your own little world. But I think I just think, well... I think it happens. I've known you a long time, haven't I? Mm. And I think you're quite tough. Do you think that's got anything to do with that? Um, By the way, I love you, even though you're um, tough. <laughs> it's got tough. <laughs> I didn't start off so tough today. Um, 
I think I'm a bit of a fatalist, yeah. <coughs> I think there are lots of things you can do to help yourself, but there's also things that are beyond your control, really. Yeah, so mm. I think I'm a bit of a fatalist, really. Do you know what? It's really interesting because I was thinking about tough, and I was thinking about you, actually. Um, and I was thinking about mental health because, you know, a friend of ours has got some some mental health issues sometimes and she can be a little bit fragile. And I thought, and I was thinking about how, you know, I've had some stuff going on and you've had some stuff going on. And uh, and I thought, well, Anne's the constant here. You know, she's the one who's tough. And I thought, I wonder whether it's to do with, um, your, you, you had some early experience with your, with your parents splitting up and you had a, your diagnosis of type 1 diabetes which is life-changing isn't it you know and it's you know we talk about it quite glibly amongst ourselves and we do that on purpose because we don't want to make a big deal of it because it's a thing issues part of you but it must have made you tougher it must have and it, in, it must have in some ways brought some benefits mentally once you, you've processed mm-hmm. it and you've done it does, is, do you think that's made you stronger? Oh, I don't know I'm overthinking no it. Idea. Do you know what? I don't think it's yeah, we, the well, right, need to I don't think it's resilient. Exactly. Well, that's okay, exactly yeah. what I was yeah, thinking. Was, was there's a difference there between being um, somebody who can go through really difficult experiences in life and come out the other side not tougher and... Um, as such but with a degree of resilience that they can offer and be available to other people yeah Mm. and i uh, that's what i see that's what i see in the friends around me is that actually they are so i see new three a resilience which means you can survive very difficult circumstances including knowing that your husband may die before you or experiencing a sudden death of your father but actually still have something to give to take from that experience and still have something to give um and i i think that comes from probably we all experienced a love as children that we don't always readily appreciate and account yeah, for yeah that's true a security that you take it for granted almost don't you yeah, yeah, yeah. it's true because it's it, normal to us isn't it yeah. yeah but it was really interesting listening to you Maxine so I was born with no grandparents so I never have experienced death because the death happened before I was born mm. but I still have a void I never had the mm. love of the grandparents mm. my parents never had parents to support them in raising me mm. so and a big family and a big family and that was really hard actually yeah. for my mum and dad you know they both lost two sets of parents very quickly as they were starting to have their own babies so that level a whole layer of support that might have been a supportive network for me where I might have experienced some love from I never experienced the grief and the loss of them that there's a void mm. Hmm. Never had a grandparent. So, actually, I'm really lucky, or my children are really lucky, that they have had two sets of grandparents, so my husband's parents and my parents, who, between them, if you added it all up, have got over 120 years of marriage, you know, because both have been married for over 60 years. 
My father died two years ago of vascular dementia. That was my first experience. Mm. I was in my 50s when my father died. But I have the joy of knowing that my children grew up with loving grandparents and have that history and that that was a layer missing. So I find it quite interesting thinking of it in terms of death is that actually... There are people who are significant to us in our lives that we never meet because they died before yeah. we came along yeah. or died before we have a living memory of yeah. them, but there's a void because they're not here. So it's quite easy. Mm. So it's it's not that that was traumatic. It's just that having seen my children's experience of grandparents, I know that I never had that experience of a grandparent. Mm. It might have been bloody horrible. <laughs> I think it's difficult though to, I, I think, don't think you, yeah I think you're right because I don't think you can compare circumstances I don't think I've been disadvantaged because my father died when I was young mm. I, it's difficult isn't it I find it hard to sometimes compare scenarios mm. well it's your normality isn't it, it is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. And, you, and you've been okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I think so yeah yeah resilient mm. well it, if you took a positive from it, you could argue that, mm-hmm. yeah. Testament to your mum, though. Yeah, yeah. Mm. She was a resilient woman. Absolutely. She was. It's, it's funny, though. Cause resourceful, too. Mm. She, she was, but as, a, as an adolescent, yeah. <laughs> you think she was awkward as hell. Mm. <laughs> but she's probably had to be like that, hasn't she, mm. to be fair to her. She but, was yeah. awkward as hell. She was, yeah. 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 Is she yeah. still with us? No, no, no. I don't think she'd mind me saying it, to be honest. She'd probably laugh. <laughs> But 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 when you look back as an adult yourself now, and you think actually she wasn't awkward herself. She was probably just trying to get by and manage, mm-hmm. wasn't she? Mm-hmm. But it made her awkward. You should be awkward, shouldn't you? You know, yeah. your kids are adolescents. You should be bloody awkward mm-hmm. with them. You know, you shouldn't give them exactly what. I think one of the worst phrases I ever hear is where uh, parents say, "Oh yeah, he's my best friend," or "She's my best yeah. friend." You think, "No, mm-hmm. fucking grow up." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, your job is to say no. You can't do that. I think we might have to cut the fucking off. Sorry. No, 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 no. No, I had to put an explicit rating on so you can see. Oh, it's rated. Otherwise, it's rated. No, no. iTunes took a month to approve the podcast. I've already been banned from Twitter, so. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah. For um, violating their terms of content (gasps) and talking about death. Mm. Oh, and if you see some of the things on Twitter, oh, no. some of the rubbish. It made me so angry. I'm not surprised. But, but, but it's been revoked because okay. um, they were concerned that I was encouraging people to commit suicide. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. I don't think. I think given yeah. the whole kind of Megan, yeah, yeah I, they're all going to be very cagey about it at the moment, aren't they? Yeah. Mm. yeah. No, I don't want figs. Yes, you do. I don't. It's I, I don't like fruit. No figs. <laughs> No, I won't be irregular. Can you regularise? And, and what about you? Um, I was thinking. So I feel like I've never. Um, it's of course it's not absolutely true either. When I've heard you talking, um, I've n- never really been up close and personal with death. And I remember when I was younger, the first time that I really. Um, came up personal with, with death was when I was asked to do last offices as a student there. Yeah. I'd never seen a dead body. No. Um, I remember when I was diagnosed as having type 1 actually and I was in hospital and I was on an adult female medical ward 
and it was an old-fashioned Nightingale ward and I was 16. And I remember them drawing the curtains around the beds and me oh. thinking, what's going on here? And I remember them trundling the tin <laughs> wagon Guess into the ward. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, well, I've never been this close to anybody who's died before. But I sort of have that, that, that feeling of being distant from... The reality of it has yeah. persisted with me, really. So, because everything that's significant that's happened, like my grandma and granddad dying, which is probably the nearest, um, happened when I wasn't there, and I never saw them, and I was never encouraged to go and say goodbye no. to them or anything. No. And my grandma and granddad on my mum's side <coughs> were quite important to us. So, yeah. um, but then I, there have been some things that have been significant. So. Um, we've got a very close friend. I'm not going to say mm-hmm. his I was thinking name, that. but um, we've got a very close friend who died very suddenly and quite unexpectedly, and that did have quite a marked impact on me. So mm. I've got this very strong sense of, and I, I don't know whether everybody else experiences this. I think it is fairly common where, for ages after he died, I used to see him mm. um, in places and just catch a sight of him, and then I'd look, and it wasn't him or you know, it was somebody else or it wasn't, there was nobody there or whatever. And that sense of, but it wears off. It does, because mm. it's happened to me. It's With him, it was very distinct, but we've lost mm. another friend's husband as well. Mm. And with him, I used to think, oh. And then I'd think, oh, no, mm. it's not him. Mm-hmm. He's dead. Mm. I have that really strong um, sense of them being present with me, but not present in the physical sense mm. of it. Um, I wonder whether that's partly to do with... This is that big thing about death, isn't it? Is is being able to accept where they are, where they've gone, <laughs> and this is one of those things that, that I think we've probably been with humans forever. You know, when somebody dies, where are they then? So where have you gone? So even the, you know, that's where people make up these things about whether oh, in the next room and they're just they're just just out of sight and. It's really hard to accept that somebody who you knew so well and mm-hmm. that had so much meaning to you and their personality has just gone, you know. And I, I, I think that's... I know, it's just a real big image to conjure with, isn't mm. it? Where, where have they actually gone? Mm. They've gone somewhere else? Do they just not exist anymore? Mm. You can't actually accept that they don't exist anymore. Mm. So I think that's why you see mm. them in places. It's in my brain, it? just not accepting. So, yeah. So yeah. it's a really strong feeling for me. Mm. Yeah. So mad that I remember it happening to me and yeah. I remember the depth of, oh, they're yeah. not, it's not them. Yeah. It's not possible because they they're yeah. not alive anymore. Um, but I know that it happens for a good while after they've died mm. and then it sort of stops, it stops, you know, it passes, yeah. it, it sort of moves on. So I think, I, I, so I share that experience Um and I think it's because you're used to seeing somebody of a certain physique driving a certain car and mm. then you think, oh, that's familiar, or that must be them and it's not them. Mm. But it, it's interesting because when I was uh, a midwife and young in my 20s and had my babies, I had two colleagues who were in my midwifery set who died, both of them died of um, breast cancer. And they both had very young children. They had babies when they died. So we'd all done our training together. We were of childbearing age and we'd had our babies together. And I I could not face that because of the fear 
of not being there for my babies mm. and the emotional sort of space I needed to occupy as a mother but and and the fear of not being that happening to me and um and not being there for my children meant that I couldn't face the reality that they were dying. It was better to deny it. And so I didn't go to either of their funerals and I regret that. You know, now that I'm in my 50s, but it was too scary Mm. um, because it was just too scary to accept that, you know, friends who I'd done my midwifery training with and friends who we'd lived with and gone through all of that and we'd all met our partners for life and had our babies and then they weren't there and you know they both died of a very similar um, cancer um, associated with you know being postnatal and all the changes all the hormonal changes and it was just too much and and I I feel really bad about that to this day. I feel like I've never. Um, I feel like I was a bit disrespectful. So I think I was protecting myself, but it feels like I was a bit disrespectful to their death and their dying because it was just too scary. But you've raised a really interesting point, haven't you, about um, whether you know death is more frightening when we have more responsibilities really and duties so you know when when we think about being young women with our babies death is Mm. not frightening although it seemed very distant to us it wasn't Mm. obviously to you because of 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 what you've just described but um you know we you don't sort of think about it when you've just had a baby that's the 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 last thing you think about isn't it of you know what if i die you don't it's not something that crosses your mind frequently really um, but as, perhaps as you get older and you're less needed, it mm. becomes less scary. I don't know. Yeah, is yeah. It? I don't yeah. know. I, 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 it doesn't scare is, it, me. is there a point in life when it ever becomes not scary? I don't think I'm scared. I don't think I'm scared to die now, but I would have really yeah. been scared to die when I'd got three young children. But you're, fright- not, but you're not, not frightened for, for you, you're frightened for them, though. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I wanted to be there for them. I wanted yeah. them to have a childhood where they had a mummy yeah. with them yeah. who was there, you know, a big mummy lion to protect them and mm. give them the best. And, and I, so I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it then, whereas actually uh, it would be the complete opposite now. You know, if I was in that situation again with those friends... If they wanted me to be there, I would be there for them. Mm. But I couldn't. I couldn't be. Mm. And it was easy actually to make an excuse. I was too busy because I'd got three babies and was working. Yeah, I think what you're describing is really common, though. I think a lot of people struggle, especially at that age, because you're just not used to it. Mm. And, and and I think we're we're all mm. uh, more able as mature mm. women to to deal with those difficult mm. things. And things mm-hmm. that are actually more difficult than death as well. Mm-hmm. We're more able to deal with those things, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. You touched on funerals. Mm-hmm. We're not going to mm-hmm. these friends' funerals. What do you think a funeral is for and who is it for? Mm. See, I think funerals are really horrible. Mm. I, I, I jokingly would say to Simon, I don't want a funeral. Have you ever been to a good one? No. I've never. The, no. I mean, they're never enjoyable, but, but one think, where you think, oh, yeah, I'm well there. 
Do you know what I mean? We've given a good send-off. Give her a good send-off. Yeah, but you can give... Yes, I think a good send-off is good, so by all means have a great party, in my honour. But Mm. don't stand in a cold, drafted church on a... No. So maybe do it in a jolly way. Because because why would you go and... Why would you want to upset another lot of people? Yeah. I sometimes think in weird moments... I sometimes think, I wonder who would go to my funeral. <laughs> yeah. I wonder yeah. who would turn up. See, well, it depends I'm how old flaky. you are, doesn't it? You've heard that yeah. I'm flaky when it comes to funerals. But I'm a good friend, I don't turn up. Oh, <laughs> I know. I don't think that's a weird thing to think. Then, then I think to myself, what do you want to do that for? Why don't do you, you think that? about what music you're going to have and all that kind no, of thing? No, I, I, I do. Don't. Do you? Yeah, I do. I keep changing it. I saw a hearse the other day. With one of those wicker coffins. Oh. I'm definitely wanting one of oh, those. Oh, wicker coffin. Yeah, definitely, definitely wicker coffin. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Very pretty. Steady of stars. Oh, yeah. No, Rob that wouldn't be appropriate. That wouldn't be appropriate at all. We could do our bohemian rocks. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's funny because my, my dad died a couple of years uh, ago, so just a, a week uh, away from uh, Lindsay's dad. Um, and you know we had to plan this funeral and everything and I thought that would be the time when my mum would say well I want this and I want this and I don't want that and and she hasn't and uh, she hasn't even told me that how bizarre is this so she said to me uh, afterwards my dad had one of these plans with the co-op you know so they it, it, it paid into the paid co-op in advance. paid in advance so um, so the funeral was all paid for cheap and cheerful so that's fine and she said well, I think well we only did it for him. I'm thinking why? Why would you only do it for your son if you're not? <laughs> she said, I've only done I've only done one. So she said, I might do it though. I might do it. And I said, Well, yes, but you better tell me if you have, because how awful would it be? So she paid all this money up front to the co-op and then she didn't tell me and I have to get George Brooks in. So she doesn't actually tell me, but she's still she's tight lipped on the subject. <laughs> Oh, well, we've paid for my mum's up front. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that's all sorted. But you can't raise it. You can't say, right, mum, I've uh, I've got some leaflets. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm thinking we ought to go with the co-op. They're cheaper. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? I've, I've already put a down payment. <laughs> she's not going she's not to tell that well, is she? No, really? not really. I wouldn't. Yeah. I don't think it's Do you think it's insensitive? I yeah, I think it might be a little bit insensitive. Yeah. So, so how would you raise it? Because I said, I rang yeah. mum, she lives in Australia, and I said, mum, I'd like to talk to you about death and dying. Oh, and she said, well, do you want to know which jewellery you're getting? Oh, <laughs> interesting. And I was like, no, 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 okay, I'm doing this wrong. But, but while we're on the subject, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll take this, this, this. There's four girls in my family, so yeah. Uh, um, but how would you do it? We don't. Do how we do our own, or how do we discuss it with our, our parents? parents? Either or. Would it would it differ how you would talk to your parents about it or your children? Children. Uh, yeah. I think my I think this is the the crucial thing is that my mum's from that generation where you don't talk about mm. it, and it's a very difficult thing to talk about and. And it's like, it, it, when you, you talked about that questionnaire you did with your dad, 
And I thought, there's no way my dad, when he was alive, would have done it. Or he might do it now, perhaps, if I had the you know, technology. We have that board, or the mum would just wouldn't do it because it's just too emotional. Mm. It's too... And she said a funny thing. When, when we were planning my dad's funeral, we were looking at music and different things, and she said, oh, no, I don't want that. It'll make people sad. Yeah. It's a funeral. What do you... No, but that's <laughs> why well, I but, don't but, like with, them. but it what? was overt emotion. She yeah. Didn't watch, that's what she didn't want. She don't, don't push it. There's no need to push mm. it. Mm. And, and she's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No but she's yeah. right, and really, you don't need to make people, you no. know, break down. No. You just need to do something and then get on, you get your cup of tea and your egg sandwich, really. Well, that's. Yeah. I'm different, I want you all to really break yeah. down. <laughs> okay, no, so no, just no, listen. That's why I chose my music. Yeah, I'm going to go for seriously traumatising you all. Well, Rob has told me already he's already got his call in. He wants us all to wear posh black dresses with veils yeah, on and high. Yeah, boots on show. I know. He <laughs> absolutely wants it to yeah. be lovely. Yeah. yeah. He's not, he's, he's made it quite clear to me. Yeah. Whereas okay. I want you to come in whatever you're comfortable in. It and I don't particularly, I want you to think kindly, but I don't particularly want you to cry because mm. that makes me well, feel uncomfortable. Well, I think that's unrealistic. Can, can I wear my walking boots? Yeah, walk if you want. Dogs yeah, 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 yeah. Just come yeah. and have a cup of tea afterwards. That's fine. Uh, but I, I don't want anybody to be uncomfortable, even you know, either people physically take, or emotionally. They take their dogs to weddings and they have a big white boat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't, the funeral as well. Wherever I am in my wicker coffin, I don't want your dogs there <laughs> just let me tell you that that was one of my most traumatic deaths was when levi died oh, oh well, there you go was sad it was sad who was levi my our oh, dog, dog. <laughs> we don't have to go there <laughs> oh dear me so i don't know about music and stuff though because i can't decide whether i quite like um, i mean i am Christian am I? I don't know. But I quite like pompy stuff. I like hymns. Sometimes I think Mozart's requiem I want. I quite like Christmas carols actually. So June's what she does. So um Auntie June is um eighty-seven and very, very, very sadly lost both of her two children um in a single weekend a couple of years ago. So she's left at eighty seven with no children. But what she does is she's got a she, she, she lent me it. She's got a book. It's like an encyclopedia thickness book. And in this book are it's every day has a page sort of thing. And on it, she writes things, and she writes when everybody's died. <laughs> and in this book, there's this book, and it'll say, R.I.P.X. person. And then the, she'll keep all of the, you know, the order of service that you get at the funeral. Mm. It's like littered with mm. them all. And of course, now she's 87. Just a lot. She, well, she scours the local newspaper. <gasps> To I find think, I think and then it's like a jungle. Yeah, it's yeah. like a jungle telegraph. Yeah, yeah. So when when she gets the 
the Jewsbury reporter and she looks through and somebody's died. She then goes on the, it's like a, a ringing thing where they ring somebody mm. and then they ring somebody else and then they all turn up mm. at the church to get the order of service and then she puts it in a book. to myself it's not what I'm going to pin on my no, notice board no, no. I don't really want to pin it on my notice board well she's boxes. got a solution you've got Beatrice Fighter I've got Beatrice Fighter I've got she's two got children's childhood I, never mind all that I when we went through that period like 18 months ago when uh, Bowie and everybody yeah. it was like everybody seemed to be dying and mm. I thought how can that be how can those people who don't seem to be in my head anywhere old or that much older than me suddenly start dying mm. it's because they're not real but they are real people no they're not real people Chewbacca was <laughs> no they're not real people <laughs> So, but, but no, what, what I mean people. is, they present it to you. Obviously, they are real people, but the way they present it to you, they're not real. That's not real. You know, you, you, you saw this stuff about David Bowie. What did it? What sort of toothpaste did David Bowie <laughs> use? Cold you know, yeah, what, what was his favourite time of day? Well, I should did he put on first? Actually, you I know, don't we, think we he don't know. His teeth, his teeth he didn't have good teeth. Yeah, yeah. Did he? But you know, it's. They're not really real people. So somebody tells you, so then, David Bowie is dead. All right, okay. But, but then somebody could come along and say, well, actually, I, I, that's not true at all. And it's, how would you know? Okay, no so difference. that might be true then. So, so I remember one day I was in this house and I was in our bedroom and I switched the television on. And guess what had happened? David Bowie had died. No, no. Lady Diana. Oh, Lady Diana. Oh, yeah, I remember. And I remember, and I I felt a bit sad, and it was all very difficult. Um, But then what happened? What happened? Why? I I mean, I I didn't... um, I'm with Wendini. I think that... um, My view was, I didn't know that person, so I can't... Mm. I can't um, participate in this mass... Of grief because I didn't know who she was. Actually. But that was weird. Though, it was weird. It? I think it's a really and weird it, it was, thing. And it was hard not to get caught up in it because I it know was, people. My I was driving into work and, oh, they were, no. and they were playing all this sad music. <laughs> the drugs don't work. And I'm driving into driving into oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she was the same age as me, so there was only yeah. a couple of months well, between us. Well, the same as us, yeah. <laughs> I can't say it for the microphone, but off. So, but yes, she was, and and I and you know, so I felt this affinity, and I think, how could I feel any affinity with a woman who was brought up in this, you know, closest for me, she's she's more royal than the royals. She could trace Mm. a lineage back from Henry VIII and the. But it's funny, isn't it? How her daddy can remember where you were and what you were doing. Yeah, and it was. Keith, Keith went down to make a cup of tea yeah. and came back up and he said, Oh, Princess Diana's died. 
But again, really, for really me, did, it was that association of... Um, um, so the sadness yeah. was about the young children. So yeah, yeah, for me, yeah, it was less yeah, about yeah. being able to associate myself with princess. Clearly, I'm very closely aligned to any princess. But... <laughs> Just for the record, I think I might have royal lineage. But what I would Come say is, it, yeah, royal. Is it? I'm strewn rose petals in the in the path of your hearse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and throw roses onto the flight <laughs> yeah. as you're going past. Yeah. But but for me, it's about untimely death, isn't it? Mm, yeah. And yeah, the it untimely death—it's a tragic. It was. A, it's like a Greek tragedy, isn't it? You yeah. know, the, the, that immediately brings to mind Bob. And you know what a Greek tragedian life he has had, you know, with the deaths in his yeah. family. So I'm it's joking. about say Do you really mean it's about, unlike, it's about untimely death, isn't it? That and I mean, that when and when oh and his daughter. His daughter. His daughters, and yeah. the, you know, so so it's where there's that association of you know, I'm a mum, I've got young children and I could have been in a car crash or I could have had breast cancer. And then it's like, actually, when you are, you've got children that are out there taking risks in the world and then somebody else has a daughter that dies, somebody famous and they publicly die, you think, what if that happened to me? I would hate yeah. to lose my child, you know. So I think they're, yeah, they're the things for me is that happen. it's not about whether... They're a real person to me and that I personally knew them, but I feel the loss of them as a parent or or them, I, I them sometimes, as a... <clears throat> I sometimes wonder if I am not emotionally a good person because I can't connect with it like that at all. And I... Um, but there's part of me that also says when these sorts of things happen, it's too difficult for me to think about the consequences mm. of it, so I don't think about it. Mm. So um, when people like when Auntie June lost both of her children, and I've only got Stephen, and I think about losing him and him dying, it, I just can't think about it. Well, I, I just think can't. That, I think, think that's your it. coping mechanism, though, <clears> isn't it? Because <throat> I would agree with you. Yeah, I just, well, I just, I, part of I, me just says I actually don't want to think yeah. about that. Mm. And if it happens, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. I think you're right to do that. I'll tell you what I've been thinking recently. So recently I've had this real strong um, visualisation of of a ruler and suddenly realising that if that ruler is my lifespan, I'm sort of nudging Mm. down to the right-hand side of the ruler and Mm. and viewing it as a ruler, it's a really visual thing and sort of thinking, shit... I don't feel like I'm moving in that end, but actually, this just keep looking at this ruler, thinking there's not much left. So can I ask when you visualise that? Is that when you're asleep? Is it like no, a dream? No, no, no. It's, it's, an it's an active, a conscious, yeah, it's a conscious thing. Yeah. But I think the trick is, and what I've learned this year is the trick is to not do that. I really no. do. Mm, yeah. yeah. I mean, I do. I am quite so good. I at, find that I'm quite, quite good scary. at living in the moment. I do. Yeah. I am very and good I, at living and in I the do moment. Think, and I, th- I think we're encouraged to think <clears throat> and sort of plan and to. Um, it's almost. Um, the moral thing to do, almost, it's your conscience that makes you sort of 
think about these, face these things that are very difficult to face. And actually, what, what I realised is that it's best if you don't face these things because it doesn't help you. Do you think it's, it's a lifetime I think it's, thing? Yeah. Because I've just sort of stopped doing my full-time job and that, you know, yeah. things have been happening to yeah, all of us. Yeah. So you, yeah. you know, and... You know, you, you physically start to, you know, like going to the gym, bloody hell, and, yeah, you're killing me. Yeah. You know, it's like, so you start to realise that your, your body yeah. is not forever, is it? You yeah, I think you're all right, though, Wendy. I think you can spend so much time planning and looking forward yeah. that you don't enjoy the now. Yeah. yeah. But I think there's a balance yeah. in that, so I'd like to respectfully challenge you on that, because I think, of course, we don't want to go around our daily lives having mod, morbid thoughts and thinking um, we've, got, we've got less life to live than what we've lived and, you know, this might happen or that might happen. But equally, I think um, there's something healthy about taking stock of where we're up to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, so I, I guess that. Balance. Yes, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I think, I think you've got to do that too, but... Um, you, you, I mean, this this year we've had some we've had some um, some bad news about my husband's health, and um, I've I've been looking into it and getting more and more information about it, and um, and I saw something recently about a, a young woman who's got the same diagnosis and and she says i just don't think about the future because she's got young children mm. i just don't think about the future i just don't think about the future and i thought actually yeah why why not you know that's that's the best mm. way forward and once we've stopped and i've noticed i've stopped thinking about the future and stopped thinking about you know, trying to look for signs for things changing and things getting worse. Um, but my husband's got better mm. because, as a result, because I'm not looking for stuff, yeah. and I think mm. he's picking up on that. Yeah, and he looks yeah. better as a result. Yeah. So I think I think you've got to, and and it's true of all of us, isn't it? You know, we know something about his health. But the COVID, we're all ticking time. Yeah, God, I am. Oh, oh, I've told you about, I've told you about you, that doctor you, telling me that I wouldn't be alive yeah, yeah. now. So, so, so you've had that to deal with all of your life, really. Mm. All of your adult life, yeah. you've had that in the back of your mind and you've dealt with mm. it and you've developed a strategy. And our strategy, and I, and I think it's possibly the same one, is to think, right, fuck it, just, you know, it's fine, I just think, get on with I it. I guess you're right, actually. And so, anything could happen, yeah. something else could happen. Yeah. So he yeah. said to There's me... There's nothing to do we with that. Absolutely, absolutely. We were walking across the car park at the hospital and he said to me, a very senior doctor, and he said to me, oh, I'm really sorry you've got type 1. That means you're not going to live a long life. He said that to he you? He actually said that to me, and I'd be in my 20s. What? Yeah, I'd be in my 20s. And, and it's interesting, actually, because I actually don't... Um, I don't think about it at all because because no. I don't need to. Mm, I just no. concentrate on doing what I see. I do think about tomorrow, but I don't think about no. you know. I don't think about the longer term stuff. I, mean, I, I don't think about it, and I don't mm. think my friend Anne is going to leave us before mm. the rest of us. I do. I genuinely no, don't I, think. I, that. I, I don't, and I don't, I don't mean, believe that. If I do, that's what happens. I, yeah. I, don't, I just don't think that um, it's a necessary thing to blemish if you like Absolutely. my living yeah, really yeah, and I'm yeah, yeah. and today I'm into living yeah, so yeah. but this week's been so Rob and I this week we've been to see the solicitor it felt oh, yeah, so yeah. grown up oh my god yeah. so grown up <clears throat> we went to the solicitor about, although I nearly fainted as a Yorkshire woman when I got the letter 
that outlined the cost of all of these procedures to participate in planning for our death. So, um, solic- I, should, I took the wrong fork when I was a girl. I should have been the solicitor, that's for sure. So she was very, we, you know, we went along and um, no we wanted to do the right thing. We wanted to make it uncomplicated for Stephen um, and we wanted to just be ordered about it. Mm. And I guess there's all sorts of, there's, there's less consequences of doing it now. It's easier to do it now um, than to leave it right mm. later. Yeah. So, but it felt very grown up. I thought, are we really, yeah. are we really going to the solicitor? to talk about our wills. Mm. Is that really what we're mm. doing? And this woman, who's about 10, is going to charge us thousands of pounds for yeah. the privilege of doing my will. I thought I could write it on an envelope. What? You probably we could write it. Actually, yeah, you could. Yeah. 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 Um, it is quite complicated, though. Uh, it was in a piece of paper that went in an envelope. Okay, that's okay. Yeah. A4. Yeah. That's long, then. <laughs> so it, it, really it, it sort of begs the question then, doesn't it? About so, are there some jobs where people are more grown up than others? So solicitors, it's they're proper grown, grown up. ups, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They must be. Nursing's quite grown up. Nurses are a bit naughty, aren't they? Are they? Oh, when I they think, think that's a terrible. Kind terrible. Of, yeah. I know. I don't mean in a rude sort of way. <laughs> Barbara Windsor way. Yeah. I just mean, you know, they can. They can be a bit black daft in the sluice. Daft in the sluice and black humour. Get people in the treatment room with the gas and air. Mm. Go on, go on. I felt really grown up talking about nursing. Could I have some and cheese, please? Cook me a bit. I can absolutely remember <laughs> doing last offices for the first time. Mm. Can you? Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the first time I've seen a dead body. What's in the last office? Laying the personnel. So laying so, somebody out and, yeah. and um, making sure that everything's um, attended to for them. And the things that I remember very about it. Yeah, yeah, I remember that it's quite a, it's very silent, quiet activity. Um, Except for all kept ringing. No, we were in the side room or in, well, no, it's a very quiet activity and it's very, um, for me anyway, very careful Mm. um, and very traditional. There are some things that, um, that we, that we do, which are sort of a bit, a bit traditional. So, so I've just read, I've just read the Molly Case book. I started to read it about nursing, um, and, um. Molly describes doing last offices in there. She's much, much younger than me, decades younger than me. Um, and she talks about doing last offices and, and the shroud. She talks about the shroud, which is very paper-like, which it is, and, and putting it on. And she talks about putting a label on the body, which is what you have to do. And she talks about getting a flower and mm-hmm. teletaping it. And yeah. I can remember mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah, can you remember that, yeah. You picked up these almost superstitions from other mm-hmm. nurses. Yeah. So there's an one about putting a flower in. So, because um, on those days you had on the wards, you had flowers on the wards. So, you used to put the flower in, you used to knit them from somebody else, and then you wrapped a sheet around, that's put right. another layer. Yeah. All right, yeah, that's see. You remember things from when you were 18, a lot of yeah. And then you'd open the window. You do open the window. Well, they, right. The nurse did that when my dad died. She opened the window and to let the spirit go. Mm. And, um, Which is quite. Um, after I, all the hard dying, because when my dad died, I'm knocking you. The energy that it took him to breathe his last breath, you know, yeah, we were like, 
when is this man going to die? You know, mm-hmm. the energy. And you could see the fat from his body just disappearing because the amount of energy mm-hmm. was burning up, breathing. And, and it was a very physical act. And then to think, actually, let his spirit go now because his mm-hmm. spirit has been with him. And then one of the things that I'm in... So I'm um, a mindfulness practitioner... And, um, you know, really um, one of the things about mindfulness is understanding the breath and that from the minute we are born, we are born with our breath and it's the one constant thing we have throughout our life. Our breath does not leave us until the minute we die. It is the constant thing we have. And so, you know, thinking about your breath and breathing is really important in mindfulness and and yoga and um and that again um there's something there was something so physical about my father's death and the breathing and the chain stake breathing at the end that actually I was so pleased when the nurse said like let his spirit go now spirit off you go you know so the spirit could be released from that really sort of physical hard arduous labour um yeah so Lindsay if you were on a ward with me now and we were doing last offices would you open the window I would and I would let the spirit go yeah I would I would definitely I think yeah and I would uh if I could find one in the modern day awards where you're not allowed flowers I would also respectfully put a flower on yeah. the breast of the shroud. Yeah, it's just, I think it's just that, that respectful thing, isn't it? Is because I think sometimes, especially now in hospitals where there's a, the, a much faster turnover, there's a feeling sometimes that you're just a number. Mm-hmm. And I think if you were, you, you're subverting that, aren't you? So you're, you're, you're not just a number. I didn't know you when you came in, and I didn't know you before. I'm, I'm, I'm marking you, you now. I'm marking you and now. And I think that's true because I think mm. no matter how difficult it is working in hospital these days, mm. I think that's one thing that is still done quite well. Yeah. In, in not in every it's case, like, but in a lot like of it, cases. The hearse, it, back in the day, the hearse would go past and yeah. yeah. used to take yeah, the caps yeah. off. It's yeah. that, isn't yeah. it? Oh, I mean, it's just showing your I cannot tell you how grateful I felt that the nurse did that, but. Talking about hearses, so when my dad died and we had his funeral and um, so my mum and dad live in a cul-de-sac in a small, you know, modern house, I suppose it's kind of, they moved there in the 90s or 80s, yeah, it would have been the 80s. And the one of, and, and it was the most dignified moment I have ever known is that the chief, I don't know, whoever it is, who work what are they called these undertaker undertaker the undertaker um walked oh yeah yeah and then the hearse followed him and he walked all the way as far as he could until we joined a main road and then he got into the car and it was beautiful clear blue sky day it was the 4th of november it was the day before bonfire day and it was such a respectful thing and I think there's something and, and about because they're halting up the traffic 
and, it, and you think it's yeah. fine and just he do wa- it he walked in such a dignified yeah. way and I thought he's honouring my father's death and it's that gift that other people mm. give to you when you lose somebody I think it's so important to know that actually other people give a damn mm. Mm. and and will act in a way that is respectful mm. that makes you think your parent or your loved one is respected that yeah. their life was respected yeah and and it was so <clears throat> lovely uh, um and everybody was moved by it yeah there was luck because he was you know yeah, we're really a big good. family mm. and so my children will never have that vision that image of that will be in their head forever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can i just ask the only thing that that i think does bother me about dying though I've had this conversation with you before, I think, Annie's. Would you be buried or would you be cremated? Oh, and you've got some I don't, pain and I in don't you. want to be cremated, though. Because it's very final. Yeah. How would you know, though, that you don't know you're being cremated? That's my fear. How, sorry, how would you how know? Do, how would you know? How would you know? How, when, you when don't somebody's, know. The only thing that, that worries me about death is how do you know when somebody's died? That they've completely gone. That they're not going to feel being buried or being cremated. Or I, I've got this. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've read too many novels. That comes from a time where tales of the unexpected. You've been reading Rosalind novels. So, but they used to bury people, and that was before the time where they used to bury everybody. And they, but they, it was really difficult to tell when somebody died or not. So, and there have been cases, and I think it was, it happened fairly regularly, of people dying and not being dead at all and waking up, and then, and then they, they have to clear the graveyards and they find scratch marks mm. on the coffin. So it, it was a real thing. Oh, it did ha- tell me it these happened. things. It happened. Do you think it comes from then? It's a ra- it an irrational fear. It's a rational fear because now they have an ultimate test. They know you're dead. So... And, then they didn't know, and the also, they, oh, yeah. they, they would have buried them really quickly within about 24 mm. hours. So, but that, well, that's not going to happen. Two weeks at the moment. It's when that curtain comes across, though. It's really. When you're in the creme. Yeah, it's awful, that curtain. It is, I agree. They need to not do that. I've sort of come to. So, I have cryogenics. I have similar well, things. Yeah, or a big chest freezer in your garden. Yeah. Well, I thought you you're cryogenically frozen. You could be in a freezer. No, don't they dust. Another kind of dust. No, I don't think so. I've got the same. I no, that's not true. I used to have the same anxiety, but I have decided that. When you're dead, you're dead. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. I, so I don't, I don't worry it. about that. I think somebody will sort that out. Mm. As long as I've got a wicker coffin, they can do whatever they want with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I did, I did love, and I, can you remember, you won't remember this, Maxine, but that book that we read at Book Club. Um, the brief, oh, yeah. The Brief, brief, brief History of the, of the Dead. dead. And I absolutely I love that loved book. that book. And I keep going back to it. And the tenant of the book is that you only really disappear completely i.e. your spirit disappears when there is nobody left in the world oh, with a living memory you. of you yeah. Yeah. but do you I believe recommend all? the book I'm going to buy you the book I would like to believe that uh, it's that very be, reassuring that would be yeah. that's very reassuring yeah that would be because not uh, not only are you you're in this holding place with other people I think it's just a fascinating I mean I think you're right I think that um, 
we construct these ideas mm. that give us make us feel more comfortable yeah. there you coping also, mechanisms yeah. with also give us hope because yeah. um, mm. we don't really understand um, I mean part of me the you know I have got a bit of logic in my being and a bit of science in my being that you know when the lights go off they go off mm. 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 yeah wow. so I, do, does anybody else do this so I still I guess you know we're of a really weird generation where things are quite liberated now compared to the world when we were kids yeah. um, and what are you like when you go to a graveyard do you like me really really not want to actually step on the grave oh absolutely absolutely and if you if yeah. you some for some reason you have to yeah does it make you feel really un- yes. Yes. Yeah. so uncomfortable yes, yes. and so I thought this is stupid yeah. this is absolutely stupid you know yeah. but I walk very carefully through, and at St Mary's where Rob's dad's buried, um, the water levels down there are not great. So the the um, <coughs> it's fine where the where the, um, the the burial area is, but they're quite close together and they're quite orderly, and you can't sort of yeah. get to look at the stones yeah. without sort of nearly walking sorry. on the graves. Sorry, like, excuse me. But then, sorry. but what sorry. about those graves where so there's that new part of the yeah? That's yeah. Exactly right. There's that new part where there's new yeah. people buried and um, there's babies and children and there's all that. But then you go up to the old part of the graveyard, which is much further up, and there's all the decrepit stones. And yeah. and I sometimes think to myself, the paths have gone. I have no sense of where I'm mm. walking and whether I'm walking on people or the remains or whatever. Whatever. It just feels really weird. That well, we the, the church I used to go to when I was when I was young, and where we got married, they um, the, it was a really old churchyard. And what they did in the end was take the headstones, all these graves that had all sort of collapsed and everything, and they made them into a path. So oh, they right. had so the, the graves are where they are, and because these people have been long, you know, yeah. two hundred yeah. years ago, yeah. so they made these these paths with the with the headstones, and, and even walking down the path, I feel like sorry, sorry, and they're not there. Yeah. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're all jobs away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's an interesting thing because um, obviously I walk the dogs a lot lot in that area and. Um, Say hello to Rob's dad when you're down there. Yeah, and and I have an interesting thought about it because I actually let the dogs off the lead and I sometimes think, is this really disrespectful? And then I think, actually, no, if I was dead under the ground and I don't know whether it was a headstone or not, I'd actually want to think of people joyously walking the dogs or enjoying the moment or... You know, I don't want people to be worried about it because they're not going to hurt There's me. There's some cultures where they, they go to the grave and take a picnic and have a feast. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's how I, I would want it to yeah. be. I'd want to think that actually life still goes on. And mm. there's a, a a woman in her 50s walking her dogs and enjoying She's the... got really good hair. doing it very well might I say but she's walking along and she's contemplating the world and enjoying walking her dogs mm. I quite anything. like graveyards me yeah. oh I do yeah, yeah. so I, I and, and do you know the reality is is that you know actually 
there are dead bodies upon dead bodies. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, that's why they're like this. That's why they yeah. occur. Yeah. That's why churches paths, are yeah. they're buried over each other. And when you're walking along the paths, there'll be people dead and Wonder buried where under you are. those paths. But I quite I think, like it. I saw, so I, um, you know, I quite like going and um, and looking at headstone and contemplating the name and looking at when they died and mm. and sometimes the older the better you know they, yeah, I love and I look at the them yeah. so. I, I do it is I like contem- contemplative uh, yeah I'm wondering as you've been discussing for the last hour and a bit what's come up for you and have you been talking about things that you haven't thought lately what's this experience been like I haven't talked about anything I've not talked thought about lately I've thought about a lot about it lately so mm. nothing new to me but I don't know about you but I think you do think about your own mortality yeah. I think as your parents die I think and as you get older I think yeah. you do and you're looking yeah. for the well you know I'm partly hypochondriac anyway but you're looking for things aren't you that yeah. are not right and yeah um I what I'm finding interesting about the conversation that we've had is how normal yeah. it's felt to me normal, having having yeah. having a conversation with you people, yeah. you know, my friends who um and that actually I mean it's not exactly a cheery after dinner conversation, mm. but it is something it's a bit that, funny though. Yeah, it's about yeah. It. yeah. I think right. it's quite reassuring yeah. though, yeah. because I think I would say I, I, I think I'm a fatalist and I, I'm quite pragmatic about dying, but that's not to say I am a little bit fearful. And actually yeah. it's quite nice to talk about it in a more light-hearted way mm. and yes. to find some things for yes. me, even though it might not yeah, yeah. be appropriate to right. everybody. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm, I think for me, it's the realization that when I was younger and I had responsibilities of children, um, I I denied and hid away and avoided, um, you know, close friends who died. Whereas now I and I feel sad about that. Um, However, I don't fear death and I feel quite it'd be okay I feel quite liberated I I think that, that. I think that I, I find I that quite comforting think, though Lisa, yeah. that you'll feel quite um not afraid at all and that you because yeah. I, I think I've got a little bit of fear in me but I think we all have to a certain extent mm. but hearing other people's views and approaches and mm. it, it takes that away a little bit mm. for me because I think well I, I think it might be to do with um, so I, I you know I think there's no reason to think that I wouldn't live till I'm 100 you know and I'm 54 now um, I think it's to do with my learning around yoga and mindfulness and knowing that actually um I think we can cope with a lot more than... I think we're a lot stronger than we ever know. I think there are some circumstances and some conditions that are hideous. Um, but on the whole, I think we would cope with our breath being with us to the end and knowing that that's our steady friend. So I, I kind of... I think I've, I've taken quite a lot of comfort mm. in all of that. So, yeah, yeah, I think I'd be okay. I think um, the other thing I would say is it's quite a complicated subject because there's one's own mortality and death 
I'm very non-Yorkshire, she's in ones. That's <laughs> very, her royal highness thing to say. Has um, she been drinking water from the south? <laughs> <laughs> so, but your own mortality, and then there's the, the people who are mm. critical, critical um, as I call it, scaffolding yes. to, the, to my life. Um, and then there's other people, and, and, and so on, and so on, and so on. Um, and, you know, thinking about all of those things makes me feel different about each of those. Yeah. Um, and it's trying to work that out for yourself, isn't it? Trying to work out, you know, what would I do if I lost Rob? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would yes. that mean? Um, I've already talked about what would happen if I lost Stephen. And mm-hmm. so I think it's quite a complicated matter. And the fact that I can talk to you guys about it mm-hmm. is a comforting thing. Yeah. Mm. The really comforting yeah, thing yeah. that I yeah. know that I'm not on my own. Mm. I know that um, you know you won't laugh yeah. if I say mm. something that might be on the face of it quite ridiculous. Mm. That it's yeah. a comforting mm. thing to do. Yeah. But you know, earlier we talked about um, the difference between being tough and resilient, and we explored that a little bit. And I think as well is that actually we're all quite wise, resilient women, and. Um, I think we would be more than survivors when those that we love dearest die. Um, because, maybe because we have each other and we have the ability to articulate life and death in the way that we can. So I'm not saying it wouldn't be extremely hard, but I, I know that we'd all come out the other side. Do you think that, um, this is something that, that just struck me with what you've just said, do you think that if we, do you think sisterhood as a, as a, as a broad term is important in this conversation, i.e. if we'd had our husbands here, whether we would have had the same conversation? I, I don't think we would. I, when I said to Sam, Sam said, what does that mean in your diary? Because it says in my electronic <laughs> diary. You're going for a death conversation. It says Anne's-death research. He said, what does that mean? <laughs> I said, oh, and I explained what was happening. He went, why would you want to go and do that? I can't see, or certainly I was, my husband wouldn't, I can't see our other half sitting around the table no. having a similar no. conversation no, at no, all. No, absolutely not. And I think no. that's a male-female thing. Does that I would lucky? not talk about it. Do you not think we're the richer for it, though, as well? Oh, I agree, yeah. The, 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 yeah. It, it's, um, you know, men, men, men say this about women talk too much and all that kind of thing. But isn't that a plus? I, I you know, it's a great thing that we, we can talk about these things and get support from one another. Whereas, you know, when I die, Mike's going to be on his own. But I think if I was taken tomorrow... Um, and I think, thank God for all of my friends, they would look after Rob. Yeah. I honestly yeah, think yeah, that. Yeah. I honestly think the 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 sisterhood network and yeah, their spouses yeah. would actually be the yeah, ones who would yeah, pick up yeah, yeah. the slack. Yeah. For me, that's that's a terrible thing, isn't it? Sorry, you're all responsible, but yeah, yeah. that's well, what I think would happen. We'd do it, wouldn't we? Yeah, we won't look after him oh, in the sense that you can. You come this? and check the cleaning and things because he's no. not very good at wet cleaning. No, I'm not. Can <laughs> I say I'm not going to do the wet cleaning? <laughs> Whatever <laughs> that is, my own house is mucky. I'm not going to come and clean. He's, he's wet cleaning his bathrooms and kitchen. Oh, okay, he's okay. good at vacuuming. That. That's all okay. <laughs> it's I still wet don't cleaning. clean his toilet. <laughs> <laughs> But we'll get someone in. Um, <laughs> a young person. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I used to work with someone a long time ago, and uh, I used to say to her on a Friday, see you, see you on Monday, and she used to say, yes, if I'm not took. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's 
him if I don't die in between now and Monday morning. But said up there, I'll see you on Monday, God willing. God willing, if I'm not took. God willing. Or inshallah. Yeah. Shall I open another bottle of Prosecco, ladies? I think so. Can I have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea? God. And my fondant fancy. Oh, yeah. We've got fondant fancies and chocolate. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Cheers. 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 C